0: Good morning to all of you and, and Merry Christmas It's great to see you all. Yeah, are, you, are you all ready for Christmas? Wow Some of you are ahead of the game on this thing. Um, well, <clears throat> I mean we have a lot of time left, right? <laughs> okay well um, so, uh, oh, and one thing before I start my uh, message. If you haven't already gotten a letter from me, uh, hopefully it, it, will, it will make it to your mailbox as uh, soon. But I know that because we really are close to Christmas. And then right after Christmas is the end of the year. And uh, I know uh, many of you are so gracious in the gifts, the year-end gifts that you give. And so just send out a, a letter just with some more information and just... Um, uh, reminding uh, all of us. So if you haven't gotten that letter, you you, you, uh, you should very soon. Um, <clears throat> so here we are, the the last week of our Christmas series here, and um, a few weeks ago, right after Thanksgiving, I was hanging the uh, Christmas lights, and um, I'm going to move this here, or it would just bug me. Uh, <clears throat> I was hanging the the uh, the Christmas lights outside. Uh, of our uh, house, and one of our little neighbor kids uh, came over and started uh, chatting with me, and we had this great conversation. We got into the into the depths of Christmas theology, right? And we were talking about what Christmas means and and all of this uh, stuff. And uh, he loves uh, Christmas, and so we were talking about it, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden he stopped. And he got sidetracked because i had a chainsaw sitting on my workbench in there and he goes i know what that is and i go really he goes that's a chopper a chopper for wood and i was like yes and he goes and he just so beautifully brought it right back to christmas right it's like mm, a chainsaw he goes santa used one of those to cut the very first christmas tree <laughs> i was like you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with that story, but like maybe so. And so then we start. and I said, So are you looking forward? Because he goes, Oh, yes. And, da, 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 da. and so then I had this great question. I said, So what is your favorite holiday? And he goes, My birthday. just with exuberance, like right in our home. And I was just like, I didn't see that one coming. And you know, uh, when he said that, like one of the things that hit me was like, you know, he has an exuberance for his uh, birthday that as adults, we we kind of lose over time. Have you noticed that? Like, you're, you know, you're, you're just, you're, it's like, oh, it's just kind of a reminder of getting older or something. He then did tell me later, he thinks that Jesus's favorite holiday is Christmas because that would be his birthday. And we talked about that a little bit and, and went through that. But, but you know, um, it, just seeing his exuberance for life and Christmas and his birthday and everything, just... Uh, You know, have you ever noticed this, how as adults, as we go through life, we we can kind of become more guarded about some of those things that... um, bring us great joy, things that we would be excited about, little things, big things, uh, birthdays, whatever whatever it is, we, we can kind of lose that enthusiasm that sometimes you see uh, with little kids. Uh, ever find yourself saying this or saying it to someone else? Like we say, now, don't get your hopes up too much, right? And you're like, why do we say that? Well, well because like... You know you might get disappointed and would hate for you to get your hopes up and just get all excited and then be disappointed in that but like right, like we're kind of hedging our bet a little bit we're 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 guarding ourselves against something else but but in the process of guarding ourselves from it, it's like we we miss out on the potential of uh, something or Have you ever had a moment where there was something going on? Maybe it was, you know, something funny, something that you wanted to do or whatever, but you held back because you're just like, you know, I don't want to risk the like possible embarrassment of this. And maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a little thing. And you just found yourself holding back. You you know, as I thought about it, like sometimes joy slips past us at moments. Just, just, especially as we get older, we have certain experiences, and we become a little bit more guarded or protective. Uh, there is a movie that my wife absolutely loves, a Christmas movie, and it has a character in it that does not have this problem. Uh, y'all have seen the, the Christmas movie Elf? How many of you have seen Elf? Okay, yes, my wife loves this uh, uh, movie, and, and I was thinking about it, you know, Elf, in, and if you haven't seen uh, the movie, you'll well, will do whatever you want. You can go see the movie or not. It, just, it, it grows on you after you know twenty years or however long it's been out. Um, uh, but you know, Elf in this show, like he like there's he's so naive, and yet there's this quality that he really does have that is uh, worth uh, noting. He he has this quality of always risking disappointment or embarrassment to not let joy slip past. He'll risk it um, if it means the possibility of experiencing some joy. And and I think that's actually, a really important quality. There's, there's something that shouldn't be missed on us. Uh, you know, in the movie, he assumes everybody wants to have fun. Like he makes all of these assumptions that in a way, it, it really is kind of an endearing quality. Like he just thinks that everybody wants to have fun, that uh, everybody needs a hug, that everybody could use a compliment. I love there's one scene in the movie where he's walking down New York, uh, the street in New York, and there's a coffee shop that says world's greatest coffee, like every other coffee shop in New York. And he's like, world's greatest coffee. And he just bolts into the place and goes, congratulations, everybody, right? Because you've got the world's greatest coffee. And just everyone's just like, who are you? And he's just like, but he doesn't care. Like he's gonna hand out a compliment, right? He believes that everybody needs joy. And I think he's right about that. I think that that's like, part of the Christmas story, that there's something there. And yet I wonder how often some of us let joy slip by, that, that, that we miss something that maybe God would want us to have or, or experience in all of this. Um, It's—it Well, have you ever realized this? Have you ever realized that we can actually protect ourselves from joy? You ever thought about that? And it's understandable because of all those things that we've experienced. It's so different than my little neighbor kid who hasn't had some of those experiences where he's faced those disappointments or maybe hurts or whatever. But in a weird way, we can take those and use them to block out one thing we don't want, but maybe keep us from another thing. But what I wanna say is the Christmas story itself is a story about joy and a joy that's meant to be experienced. We're going to be looking in the book of uh, the gospel of Luke this morning. So if you want to pull out Luke and and we'll mostly be in chapter one, but I want to look at one verse here in chapter two. So look with me at Luke chapter two, just one verse here. And this is a conversation when the angel is talking to the shepherds. Look at verse 10. Here's what... um, Uh, The the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause what? Great joy, great joy for all the people, right? That just, this like Christmas is meant to be a gift that will bring joy and not just joy, great joy. And I guess what I want to say is um, when you protect yourself from pain, you might just be robbing yourself of joy. Not always, but sometimes. And I, and I wanna look at that this morning because as we head into, you know, into the heart of the Christmas season, there, there's something for us out of the Christmas story that we should pay attention to because it's such a dominant part of the Christmas story, this idea of experiencing uh, j- uh, joy uh, here. And you see it just throughout from shepherds to angels to wise men, this idea of joy that needs to be experienced and expressed and passed on. And so I want to make two points this morning. And after I make those two points, I want to just offer some really practical applications. So here, here's the first point that I want to make this morning. And it's this, um, joy is too good, is too good to let it slip by it really is joy the joy that god has for us is too good to just let it slip by but it's easier uh, it can slip by easier than we realize and we see this in the story uh that occurs uh with mary and elizabeth at the beginning so if you think about mary and elizabeth and elizabeth is mary's uh aunt and of course with mary um, <clears throat> she has this aunt and uncle and she's gonna, in the Christmas story, and we'll see it here in a moment, she's gonna go down and visit them. But we understand why she's gonna go visit them, right? This angel comes and, and talks with Mary and explains, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have, you're, you're pregnant and you're gonna have uh, the son of God. Like it's gonna be this amazing thing. And then we pick up the story. What does Mary immediately do after this? Uh, flip back to Luke chapter one. And look at verse 39. So the, just as soon as the angel is done talking with her, here's what it says in verse 39. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She like heads off. And, and part of the reason is, right, when we think about it, because here's where joy wants to slip by, where joy wants to fade. It's gonna be the rumor mill and it's gonna be all the gossip and it's gonna be the scandal. That, like here's this, young teenage girl who's not married yet and she's gonna be pregnant and people aren't gonna understand this and go through all of this stuff. And so we shouldn't be surprised that she, you know, hurries off. But it's not like she just hurries off to, um, you know, a a little short distance. Like when she hurries off to the hill country in Judea, it's not like she's living on, you know, tangerine and hikes back up into the tortolitas or something for a mile. Um, uh, If you could see it on a map, I think we've got a map here. Um, She has to travel a long ways. In fact, the hill country down to Judea would have been like 90 miles away. Um, And this is before there were, you know, cars and vehicles and this sort of thing. Not only that, think about this. Uh, This is in her first trimester. So ladies, think about Think about going on a one-mile hike from Tangerine into the Tortolitas in your first trimester when you've got morning sickness and not feeling good. Think about 90-plus miles, right? Like this, like, you know, I bet when she showed up at her aunt and uncle's, she wasn't feeling like super refreshed and ready, you know, ready to go. Like, Like, like this, she's kind of getting away here in this moment. What's interesting too is when she shows up at her aunt and uncle's, there's kind of a parallel thing that her aunt Elizabeth is going through as well. Uh, her aunt and uncle are much, much older than her. We know from the text uh, that they were long past childbearing age and that they were unable to have a child through all that time. And in the same way that there would have been kind of a social stigma that Mary would, knew that was kind of coming and she'd have to deal with, um, there was also a social stigma in the first century that, that if you didn't have a child, like if you if you got married and went through those years and didn't have a child it was like the questions that, like okay did you do something and and god is punishing you or like are you like why would god allow this to happen there'd be all of these things in fact elizabeth describes this is kind of this thing that she carried and it was and what she carried was this disgrace this disgrace that she carried and you can imagine all those years of carrying that kind of disgrace and then maybe, maybe reaching a point where it was kind of behind them. But what's interesting in this story is an angel then comes uh, to Zachariah, right? Her husband and says, guess what? Good news of great joy. You're gonna have a baby now, right? Like just just, and, and it's like, and you would think that the immediate responsibility, like, yes, Finally, this is wonderful, right? And this angel describes this to Zachariah and his reaction is like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, like, it's like he's not excited about this thing uh, at all. And, and at first we might go, well, like, why not? But, but when you think about it, Right, like there's reasons why that could be, and Elizabeth, who you'd think would be super excited, look at look at her uh, response. Well, actually, start in verse 13. Here's where the the angel describes this to Zachariah. Look at uh, verse 13. It says, "But the angel of the, uh, but the angel said to him." Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're going to call him John. He will actually become John the Baptist, right? Like, what an amazing thing that's happening in this family. They're going to have Jesus and John the Baptist in their family, right? Um, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. This is so amazing. And Zechariah's like, no, no, no. And then Elizabeth's response, if you drop all the way down to verse 24, um, here's, she becomes pregnant and here's how she responds. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Wow, like this is the thing that she's wanted for so long. This was the thing that was absent that she described as this disgrace that she carried. And now it's gone and she goes into seclusion. You can just kind of feel hope fading. But we can understand why, right? Like, what if Zachariah got it wrong, right? He's just like, and we tell everybody and then it'll be like, oh, like, you know you, you know, you didn't have a baby before and now you're saying you will and you don't. Or uh, we don't know the circumstances. Maybe she got pregnant before maybe several times and miscarried every time. And now she's pregnant, it's just like, I don't wanna tell anybody because then I'm gonna go through that whole, what if I miscarry again, right? What? What? You can just feel like the guarding of disappointment in there. And I bet every one of you has moments where maybe like, what's the thing that you have hope for or excitement for that you'd long for, but you're guarded against it. Is there a relationship maybe Maybe it's with one of your kids or an ex or someone in your family. And boy, there's been all of this tension. You just have all of this hope. Like you just, you would love for that relationship to find some level of healing. And maybe you see an inkling of it moving in a good direction and you're just like, no, I'm not like, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to put myself out there. Because what if I get hurt? Or maybe, maybe you do want a child. Maybe, maybe that's your exact situation and you're just like, oh, so longing, hopeful, but, but I don't, I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Maybe it's a change in your career. Maybe like, like, what is the thing that you find yourself maybe secretly saying? Don't get too excited about this, right? Like we, ha- we have a way where sometimes we can miss the beauty of the joy that maybe God is wanting to infuse in our lives. And we can understand why. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to have joy, even in the midst of that. Which leads to my second point in all of this that I think is so important that we see come out of this story. And it's this, joy is too good not to share. Joy is too good not to share in this. Um, what happens next in the text, right? You have these two ladies and we understand all the reasons why joy could slip by. But I love what happens next in this story. This is the turning point in the story. Look at verse 39 uh, again here. And you know, I'm gonna read through more of the story. Um, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And here's where the whole story turns, right? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that at the mo- that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped, Blessed is she who has, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her, right? All of a sudden there's kind of this whole different experience around what has happened uh, here. And it's interesting, uh, when, they, when they come together in this moment, there are two patterns that just stand out in the Christmas story that I want you to see that get back to this, this idea that, that like, joy is too good not to be shared, that becomes important. The first one is this. Um, uh, When you look at the the Christmas uh, story, there is a kind of language that Mary and Elizabeth use uh, when the the story unfolds, or I should say the absence of it. Um, Mary hears from this angel and and the angel talks about, this is filled with joy. The angels are using a lot of joy-filled language in this but Mary's not. In fact, her, her response, how she talks about this is, is here's her first response, right? It is, um, may God's word be fulfilled. There it is, right? How many of you ladies, when you, when, yeah, you like maybe when you were first pregnant and you got the pregnancy test and you, know, and you were telling one of your closest friends and you were just like, well, I'm pregnant. May God's word be fulfilled, right? It's just like, you know, it's just like, I'll be faithful to this plan you've got going, God, but are you sure about this? Like, like this is like, like, like her faithfulness is enduring, but it's not filled with joy. There's not something in the language that's pointing to joy in this. Same with Elizabeth, right? Secluded for five months. There's this kind of, and even in the story talks about, and I've been dealing with this disgrace. But then the language all changes when they share their story. There's some, but the joy was still there, right? Like like when Mary gets the, like, this is amazing, right? Like you're gonna carry the son of God into this world. That is amazing. But it's hard for her to get to the joy of it until she's with her aunt. And I think there's, there's something that her aunt right maybe struggles with and when she sees her young niece like there's something that just help her helps her get uh, in touch with this and you see this next pattern that is within the christmas story and it's this joy is best experienced with with it is meant to be passed on. God right? God's going to send His Son into the world and God shares it with the angels and the angels share it with the shepherds and the shepherds uh, share it with the countryside. and Mary and Elizabeth are going to share it with each other. In fact friends, when you think about the Christ, when you think about the gospel itself, in it's hard. just look at the pattern throughout the entire New Testament. It is always about sharing it, sharing. Like it's something that just like, as you get it, as you understand, there's a part of it, you just like, you want to share this because there's something good about it. It's why it's called good news, right? That idea of sharing. And this is where it begins with the birth of Jesus in this. There's a kind of joy that's starting with God to angels, to shepherds, to wise men to nieces and aunts that is meant to be shared, right? Joy is best experienced with. And you see this beautiful pattern that occurs in this. And and that leads to this idea that, that if we don't want joy to slip past, we have to understand that there's something that we offer one another that helps us Capture that joy uh, in this. And so let me offer a couple of just a, a few things about application uh, to this uh, here this uh, morning. Uh, and the first one is this: uh, Don't protect yourself from the disappointment, from disappointments, in a way that keeps you from joy. If you find yourself protecting yourself, hedging something that's actually keeping you from joy don't let that happen right don't don't allow that like like, take what would have happened if like mary wouldn't have gone to her aunts what if she would have gone someplace else what what if her aunt in that moment wouldn't have shared her story with mary in that like there, there would have been a loss uh in that uh here in this last season i have ended up doing far more funerals than than I have done in most seasons. Um, And not too long ago, I was doing a funeral uh, for a family uh, that really had no church connection. And, And as a church, we got to just be a breath of fresh air and just provide something for them. Uh, to to do the funeral, and so I was meeting with the family and friends, and it was a large uh, large group. I bet it was close to 15 people that I was sitting down with, friends and or family and extended family and uh, several close friends, and <clears throat> they were working on trying to plan what the funeral would be, and they just could like. I'm trying to work with them, and they just couldn't like nail down anything with what would be in the funeral. So I started kind of trying to probe like, like what's, what's paralyzing them in this thing. And it it was that they felt this terrible burden of, they didn't know how to answer the question of why that they had lost this man in the prime of his life. And he was a husband and a father and a brother and a friend and a son and just in the prime of his life. And they just, they couldn't they felt this burden that like the funeral somehow had to answer this big existential question as to why. And they just, and, and, they just, and it was just, it was such a heavy meeting at that moment. And, and so at first I, I was just like, so let me lighten the load. Like the funeral doesn't have to answer that question in that. Like, you, like it's okay to, to just move forward into, and, and that didn't help them. Like you could tell it's just the weight of it. And so I switched gears. I said, so because I didn't know him, let's just take, let's not worry about planning the service just this moment. Will you help me understand him? And I said, tell me about, tell me about his humor. When did he make you laugh? And they giggled just a little bit, and then, but nothing. And I said, okay, tell me about, when, did he ever embarrass you like in some way that made you laugh? And then all of a sudden like three or four of them just, just started uh, laughing about these goofy things that he would do that just made them laugh. And they were all different stories. And when they realized they all had different stories, then they started telling more stories. And then the laughter just rolled and then the tears. And like there were moments where there were tears and laughter at the same time. There were moments, there were a couple of them that were laughing so hard like they couldn't even talk. And then they would cry. And then they just, and there was something about finding the joy of this person that just like it lightened the load and yet like there was this thing where they they were struggling to move forward in part because they like it just felt like it's not okay for us to experience joy right now because we lost this person and somehow out of respect or or mournfulness and I was like you need to get in touch with the joy and that'll make you cry, but it'll make you laugh. like you. You need to go through. What would he want you to be experiencing right now? And then they. Oh my gosh, he'd want. Yeah, there you go. And it was the vulnerability that they just needed to express. Joy brings about a kind of vulnerability that is sweet and precious, and that we need. And it's a vulnerability that sometimes little kids. And movie characters called Elf seem to understand sometimes really well. And so did Mary and so did Elizabeth. So what is it that you're protecting yourself from that maybe, maybe you need to let your guard down a little bit and let yourself experience some joy? Um, Second point of application uh, in all of this and these next two really go with that idea of, of joy is just too good not to share. And the first point of application is this. Uh, encourage joy in others. Be like really deliberate in encouraging joy in, in others. Uh, when Mary walks through that door, don't miss how uh, Elizabeth responds, right? The text says she exclaims, right? In fact, it uses this Greek word that means to like shout and shout with volume. Like it means volume and emotional intensity, right? This is like, this is a, this is a, emotionally charged word. Like you're shouting something with lots of energy and you're loud in this thing, right? Um, and uh, what's also interesting is if Luke would have just used that word, we, would have, we could have pictured what Elizabeth, would like her uh, demeanor in that moment. But, he, but just to make sure, to push it a little bit farther, when Luke writes out what happens here, he uses another little Greek word. And you'll know the meaning of this word uh, probably without me even telling you at first. And it's, uh, it's the word megas, megas, like in mega or magnify, right? Um, it, which just amplifies a word in Greek that is already an amplifying kind of word, like a double amplification. It's just like, and what she's amplifying, don't miss this. It's encouragement. It is, it, it is celebrating The thing that Mary has left home over and doesn't know what to do. Like, it's just like she's infusing this kind of encouragement to help Mary experience joy around this. And she's specific about it. She points to this kind of encouragement. Mary, you're being, your faith, there's something beautiful and exciting about your faith. You know, back in the line, you're like, okay, well, I hope, I hope, You know, I'll be faithful to God's word in this, right? And Elizabeth has this way of putting this, just this energy and joy to this thing that just changes the whole thing. Be intentional about encouraging others. So let me ask you uh, this, like who is it in your life this Christmas season that could use a little bit of encouragement? Who is that? I think about, I think about, that family I was sitting with, they all needed some encouragement. But there was something beautiful about not them just thinking of stories that were precious to just them. Something really special happened when they started sharing those stories with one another. They started encouraging one another. They started telling stories. And then the stories just went to places about like how this individual thought of them and how this individual loved them so much and how they were so good to this person. Like it just, and they just, there was something about like the joy factor started just rising up. And friends, if joy can be found and encouraged in others in the midst of planning a funeral for someone you love, then joy can be found anywhere at any time. And that's the Christmas story. We need the Christmas story and the beauty, right? Think about the Christmas story. The Christmas story is the joy that God has come. It is the story of God's care, God's grace, God's redemption and God's affection for you and for me. That's good news, and we need that good news to be resonating in our heart all of the time. In fact, we need it the most in hard times and difficult times. And this Christmas season, you're going to have somebody in your life, and they're going to be going through something. And what if you were the person who intentionally, like we're gonna be getting together with all these family gatherings and all of this stuff at different moments. And I know, and, you, and maybe you're an introvert and you're just like, this is the season. You're just like, mmm, you know, but even in that, maybe there's a moment where you're just like, there's gonna be that other person and I'm gonna like, and I know what they're going through. What would happen if you became intentional about encouraging something that would bring joy to them them. Like, what a blessing that would be. The, the, the last point of application here is, uh, is simply this. Find someone to share your joy with. I think about Mary and the fact that she shows up at her aunt's house. Man, she could not have picked a better place to go, could she? Like, she knew where to go and who she could share whatever joy she whatever little bit of joy that maybe she had and was wondering about with all of her doubt she picked the right place to go find someone find someone you can share your joy with maybe it's something like you're hesitant with maybe it's something you're not hesitant with but don't let it just slip by share it with somebody else cuz joy really like it's too important to not share Find like be intentional about reaching out and and finding those ways to connect with us. Because when Mary does that, like it like it changes everything in the flow of the story. This is where now Mary and Elizabeth start to use the language that the angels have been using from the very beginning. And part of that is because they found the right person to share their joy with. Who's the person? that when you share your story with them, it brings joy out? Who's the person that just like lights you up? Like who, like find that, find that person, like be intentional about that. Um, I told you earlier, my wife uh, loves the Christmas movie Elf and uh, she really does. But but she doesn't like to just watch it by herself. She can, and she has, but she has this thing that she loves to do every Christmas season. And that is she wants to gather her little family together, right? Because, uh, because our kids, you know, are like in school and work. And so this is the time of year that like they'll show up and live back in the house again. Right. So she's got her whole little family together for this season. And, and rather than just like watch Elf all by herself and giggle and laugh through the whole thing, she wants all of us to be there and giggle and laugh through the whole thing. And we mock the movie through the whole thing. And she puts up with it and loves it. And just and this year she's like, when are we going to watch Elf? Let's watch Elf. And we're all like busy and Doing and she's like, no, we've got to do this. And we're just like, well, you know, like, just, it's, I don't know. It's like or another Christmas movie. And she's like, well, there's, a, no, don't go down that Hallmark thing that it is, And we're just like, because she watches all the Hallmark Christmas movies. And we're just like, so she's like, um, and of course, we all know Elf is the movie she wants to watch. Right. And we're just like, well, like, you know, a different one. And she's like, okay, well, what kind of uh, Christmas movie? And we're like, uh. I don't know, like an action-adventure Christmas movie. <laughs> and we're all like, hmm, we got her on this one, right? She goes, hmm, okay. How about Die Hard? Die Hard's a Christmas movie. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> yes, you should have joined us because last night, we as a family watched Die Hard 1, the Christmas movie, right? <laughs> And Angie was so happy because she had us all together. And we, we found joy together as we were watching. Uh, maybe it's going to turn into a new family tradition. Who knows? We're going to get together on Christmas Eve and watch Die Hard together. Right? Um, but yeah, and it was, and it was just something. And, I, and, and as we started doing that, I was like, she's living out my sermon that I'm going to preach tomorrow. Right? It's just like that she just made a point that, that she, like, she could have done it by herself, but she didn't. And that's the Christmas story, isn't it? Shepherds don't stay by themselves. And the angels didn't. And wise men travel long distances, right? Because this story of a God who would come and be with us because of, right, like he has such affection and love for you and for me that he had come to this world that's a story that's just too good to keep to ourselves. And there's a joy in it that that I want you to experience and I want you to experience what it is to pass it on because I have the, here's my theory. Here's my theory. Joy becomes great joy when it's shared. When we have a kind of joy that we get to share an experience with someone else, that's when that joy turns into a great joy. And that's what those angels were saying about this Christmas story. So may this Christmas season, you experience great joy, friends. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna uh, close this in prayer here this morning. Let me pray. Father, uh, we just, uh, we thank you for the joy that you've just infused into our world, literally through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would get to experience the joy of him in a way that would be passed on through us. We wanna experience not just joy, but great joy. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning. See you Christmas Eve.